This episode of the Keen on Yoga podcast is sponsored by Moments. It's a booking system we've been using for the last year, roughly speaking, and we really recommend it. Great for solo teachers, right up to studios with multiple sites. It's a one-stop shop, really, and it integrates with Zoom and allows you to take payments via PayPal and Stripe. You can set up courses, trainings, retreats, keep an eye on your business with robust reporting. It even runs a staff payroll. So if you do run a studio, it will take care of teacher payments as well. Excellent team at Moments will help you set up, migrate from your other system and offer onboarding support. They're really hands-on at this. Once you've set up and are going, you will have time-saving automations, marketing and win-back campaigns to keep those students coming back. It takes care of the whole business side for you, so you're really free to take care of your creative side. Best of all, you've got that real-time support via phone, live chat and email. Moments is offering Keenan Yoga listeners and viewers a two-month free trial. Click on the link below or visit moments.com, that's moments.com, and book a demo. And if you quote Keen on Yoga to get your free trial, you'll get two months free. Now on to the episode. So welcome back, Andrew McGonagall, Dr. Yogi, to Keen on Yoga for the second time. It's lovely to have you today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. can't believe it's been so long. Time been a year. has flown as always. I know, yeah, I know. Been a year. You're still looking as young as ever. Um, and sprightly, it's the, as lighting. Ever, so, uh, it's the lighting, yes, <laughs> and it's lovely to see you. Thanks for coming back. Um, so, um, the good doctor has uh, has written a second book. He's been busy as always um, since we've last met. I think you were writing it actually since we last met. So uh, you haven't written it in under a year because it's a fantastic book. I read it all thoroughly, and it's really influenced my way of thinking. It's called The Physiology of Yoga: An Evidence Based Look at How Yoga Affects Health and Wellbeing. So I did actually look at my phone to uh, to read that off. Um, because um, I wanted to get it right, because the, for the listenership, for the watcher, uh, please get it. Please read it and please absorb it. Um, it's a fantastic book. Fairies are holding it up um, and it's not a sell because I've read it and I love it. So please have a look at it. It's very unusual because Andrew is actually a medically trained doctor. He's also been in the yoga sphere for many years. So he's not trying to debunk stuff, but he's very nice kind of in a nice kind of way. Cause Andrew is very nice. He's trying to, um, clearly, um, say what can be and can't be said about yoga in currently, uh, you know, accordingly to current medical and scientific understanding, because there's a lot of snake oil out there. There's a lot of, um, claims that are involved in tradition and uh, traditional understanding, which, um, don't necessarily have any scientific basis. And as always, you're free to believe them if, if it makes sense to you. And if you enjoy those conventions to tradition, on the other hand, if you want a more practical undertaking of yoga, um, there's a few things that we might discuss today that might pique your interest. So, um, that little intro out of the way, let's, uh, let's start at the beginning and, and, uh, ask you, Andrew, what does evidence-based thinking or research in actually involved? Yeah, it's a, such a great question. And that's kind of how we kick off the book. Um, mm, mm. We, we talk about, we talk about critical thinking. So mm. about actually stopping and thinking about where we're getting um, our information from and exactly. has that been validated or not, mm. you know, and that mm. helps us to know how to kind of move forward with that. Mm. Um, so yeah, basically a good visual is to think of evidence in like a pyramid and the best qualities at the top and the kind of lowest qualities at the bottom. And mm -hmm. what, what there is there at the bottom really is it's anecdotal information. Mm. So personal experiences. Now that doesn't mean that that's invalid, but mm. we can only give it so much power. And then yes, yeah. in a similar kind of level. Yeah, exactly. And then a similar level, we have expert opinion. Mm. You know, so if, if we if 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 um, thorough research hasn't been done about a topic, that's where we tend to go to. So we don't really have a choice. Yeah, we go to expert opinion on a topic and we go to anecdotal information. Um, mm. But in a lot of cases with yoga, there's a lot of research being done. So we're able to kind of move up the pyramid and, and basically mm. we move up. As I said, we, we move up with quality um, mm. up there. And at the, at the top, what we've tried to do in the book is we've tried to focus on what are called systematic reviews or meta-analyses, okay? 
So fancy words, don't worry too much about the terms. But basically what has happened in these scenarios is a person or a group of people have gathered all the research that is available on a specific topic. So they have searched and searched and they have exhausted their search to gather everything. And then they put that through a detailed filter for quality. So they basically filter out this, the, the, maybe the, the study, the research that just isn't very well done, for example, mm. for, you mm. know, their different criteria. And then what they're left with is the good research that they're happy with. And they basically summarize it all, present that, and then also present recommendations for further research. So it's the gold standard in terms of evidence base. And that's what we've tried to hone in on where possible in the book. If we're looking up a particular topic, we would try to look at, uh, is there a systematic review or meta-analysis about this topic? Mm. And then we Mm. share that with the reader. And then if not, we would slowly kind of move um, down the pyramid. So I think for many years in the yoga world, what I've witnessed is that we've held on very firmly to anecdotal information and to expert opinion and it's taken us some time to kind of move on and even though research has been done we've kind of kept coming back to that the bottom of the pyramid and hopefully there's a wave now where we're actually moving with the evidence and looking Mm, at things mm, you know mm. from a from a bit more of a full evidence point of view yeah is there a way to qualify what expert opinion actually means and if we should take it on board how how and how we might assess that as its expert opinion i mean for example i wrote recently on um, moon days right the moon cycle and people are very uh, keen on this idea that the moon um, affects the water in the body and therefore one shouldn't practice yoga on moon days because the water of the body is a like the pull of the tide is affected blah 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 yeah. and then someone mentioned oh there's evidence-based opinion on an expert opinion on pubmed for example Right, um, research done. I mean, how, for example, you know, if, if you know, it, for me, it smacks of um, you know um, some anecdotal ideas. This particular idea, as example, you know, as an example. But then, if I wanted to pursue it further in terms of you know apply critical thinking and to look at expert opinion, you know, as we're talking now, how might one go further and assess that? You know, it's um, such a great question, yeah. and yeah. this is all yeah, this mm. is all part of critical thinking. <laughs> mm. So really, mm. there, there isn't there isn't this definitive definition of what who an yeah. expert is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unfortunately, and often yeah. there are yeah. self-proclaimed experts. Beware yeah. of those yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't mention yeah, so, any of no, them. So but, it's a but, yeah, so, so, many, so, yeah. so it's a really really good point, and I think. Um, but what? Okay, where where the value is that I see in expert opinion and anecdotal. Um, information is that it they often inspire better quality research to be done okay so for example there's been a lot of chat over the years about oh yoga causes a lot of injuries there's been these big magazine articles that create a lot of fear Mm. and this Mm. talk about oh this this teacher's had a hip replacement therefore it must Mm. be bad Mm. and all this kind of stuff well that has I, i i know from from talking to some researchers that has inspired really good quality research into does yoga cause injuries and and can we compare it to other forms of exercise for want of a better word you know looking at it, mm-hmm. the physical asana and comparing yeah, physical modalities yeah so yeah, you know yeah. so so that that to me so so for me anecdotal information and expert opinion is a great starting point it starts conversations and it inspires people to do their research and then we're able, able to move forward so we need mm. to we need to let we need to know when to let go of the expert opinion and move mm. on. <laughs> yeah. It's tricky, isn't it? To how much to follow one's own intuition. That doesn't seem like a, a reasonable kind of conclusion to reach, you know, right? you know, and then when to say, well, I'm actually not an expert in this and I need to defer to someone who has more experience and training than me. In that. And I think that line is never conclusive and there's no clear way to, to, to draw that, you know, but, uh, but I think that, you know, both are valid, right? Like, you know, one's own, one, one's own intuitions and one's own understanding, yeah. of, you know, and then again, the, also the humility to realize when one is, is lacking in, um, in understanding and training, yeah. you know, in comparison to someone who, who's had, you know, 20, 25 years, I don't remember who it was say, you know, said this, but I think many people, you know, it's like, well, you haven't earned the right to be an expert, you know, yet, you know, having practiced for a year yoga, right? Like, comparatively to someone who has taught for 30 years on the other hand you may have a fresher intuition so 
The yeah. line is always exactly. a great one, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's only ever, as you said, there's only ever so much credence we can give that. And we have to recognize things for what they are. And if it's expert opinion, we have to realize that's what it is. And, um, you know, yeah, and hope that further research will get done that will clarify. Mm, you know? But mm. that's a, it's such a great question. You're a great critical thinker, Adam. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's the best um the best compliment anyone can pay me um thank you um well moving on i mean obviously you've got a few points in the book to to, to cover and, and the book is is it covers really most uh, or so many of the topics that one, one is uh that's heard all this kind of anecdotal uh, uh wisdom on over the years so i love it um and one of these is the stretching the muscle fascia that you, right I, you mentioned i think in the second chapter the idea of the muscle fascia and uh um, and and these days People are forever going into labs and cutting up cadavers and saying, well, there's all this fuzzy stuff in the muscle fascia and yoga helps to kind of, you know, tox- detoxify or, or, or tonify all this stuff. And um, what, what's your feeling about muscle fascia? Because uh, it's very trendy these days, let's say, in terms of yeah. uh, the yoga we have, right? Yeah, I think it's a, an amazing part of the body. It's a part of the body that was neglected for a long time. So we're mm. trying to kind of play, mm. play catch, catch up, up. Yeah, in yeah, terms yeah. of... Because there's other parts of the body that have just been studied in way more detail. That were, yeah, that were yeah, given yeah. more focus and given more attention. Um, I don't think it's any more important than any other part of the body. Right. You know, I don't think it's I don't think it's the missing link. I don't think it's the thing mm. that's going to mm. help us to suddenly decide, oh, why are we all here on the earth? You know what I mean? It's not going to it's not going to kind of quell any existential crisis. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's it's, uh, you know, it's something that I'm interested to learn about i'm always trying to keep on top of the latest thoughts and theories i think we've got some way to go before we have a really clear understanding of its Mm. role in the Mm. body um what's really interesting is when i studied medicine many years ago we did a lot of dissection work yeah there was always this bucket beside the cadaver Yeah. yeah and it was basically a superficial fascia kind of removed and put in the bucket none of us asked what's in the bucket You know, so we've come on leaps and bounds, and yeah, right. it's it's a really, you know, it's so a, it's do, a really... you do acknowledge some importance in 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 this oh, yeah. in what we're doing. Oh no, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, no, 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 for sure, it's, it's super important, and I think um, I I don't there's you know there there are many um, fascia experts out there, yeah, and um, I I don't know if they all completely agree themselves on you know the ultimate rule. Of, of, yeah. of these tissues yeah, um yeah, it so it's it's just fascinating to watch the story mm. evolve you know um you know is is this a huge component of how we experience pain in the body is mm. this a huge part of how we experience proprioception which is spatial awareness you know there's the, there are lots of um thoughts and theories about it so yeah it's it's just exciting to see this and also mm. just things like this just make continually make me super excited about the human body like our knowledge really is minuscule there's way more about the body that we don't understand than we do understand and that excites me because there's always something more to learn that keeps us all humble i yeah. think that made, made my thoughts on fascia is it, it are they related to a general kind of mobility in muscle because obviously the fascia surrounds a muscle right so in creating some kind of deep awareness in how you're moving your body obviously yoga is not football you know there's something slightly more concentrated in the particular movements one's doing could one get in there in a deep enough manner in in self-experience and proprioception to start working on that level of fascia around a muscle joint complex which may be limited in its range but having you know in the possibility let's say as a hypothesis of working with fascia could one mobilize you know a, a muscle complex joint complex where it might not previously have been possible you know in terms of yeah, the way that individual is structured yeah it's a it's um you know a great question and i i ultimately think we don't know as of today mm-hmm. i think what what we what we posed in the book is that in yin yoga we don't necessarily target the fascia like the body's one entity and the fascia is not not only wraps the muscle but it intertwines the muscle it's seamless running through the entire body so we were trying to pose the point you know that can you isolate one layer of the body as opposed to another now it's been a controversial topic there have been many 
discussions that have come off the back of this. But also, but I I love I love generating conversation. So for me, this is it's exciting that that this is. I was just thinking that you must have had, for the sake of it, but you must have had so, so many emails and, and right. And uh, so much feedback on, on what you've yeah, written, there, surely. There've been, yeah. there've been a, there's been a few, um, you know, yeah. And I think, I think often when you look at a topic, like the question you're asking about fashion, I think ultimately you end up with more answers, you know, sorry, sorry. You don't end up with more answers. You end up with more questions. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the deeper you dive into these topics, you just you kind of end up going down all these rabbit holes and more and more kind of questions mm. arise. Mm. So, I, I I think we we you know I think and it was it was a really a little sidebar that I, I imagine that you're that that sparked your interest in this question about Yin Yoga and fascia, and it's just interesting that you know a, a, a us sharing our stance on it. Um, had a ripple effect and, and started yeah. a lot of conversations going um, I just don't think we can be black and white I don't think we can say for sure if you're teaching yin yoga oh we are targeting the fascia here yeah we are targeting the fascia but we're also targeting every other layer of the body we can't we can't um, impact things in isolation in the body it just doesn't work that way so that was really the stance we were mm-hmm. taking and, and I think that's, uh, you know, beautifully qualifies the general tone of the book, which isn't, you know, to offer conclusions necessarily. It's just to say, well, there's, there's lots of possibilities out here. And I think you do that really, really nicely. And to say, well, you know, there's not one definitive way that we say you're experiencing your body in this manner. There's lots of, you know, you, I think you raise more open-ended debates rather yeah. than you know, clo- closing down on, well, this is because of this and this is because of this. It's like, well, there's yeah. lots of possible explanations for this and lots of, yeah. Yeah. Completely. So and, really, you know, I, um, I like to sit on the fence, honestly. Like, you know, I, I don't ever want to get to a point yeah. where I am like, oh, it's 100% this way. Mm-hmm. You know, that we, 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 you know, it just, there's, it's rare for us to have the adequate amount of information about a certain part of the body, whatever, to have that amount of certainty. So, you know, I'm, I'm, and also, I do, I'm also always open to being challenged and being proven wrong. I'm okay with that. Like, I don't, the book yeah. is not like, oh, we're right. We are, we're the experts. We know everything. It's just like, you know, let's present the current information that's available to us. So let's start for some conversations. Let's get people critically thinking. Mm. Um, you know, let's get, think, let's get people questioning stuff in a different way that maybe they just never had before, you know? Because mm. mm. uh, I think it could be so easy just as say, as a, a yin yoga teacher just to go oh yeah yin targets the fascia and not really think any deeper about what what does that actually mean what what are the implications of that like yeah what is the yeah. evidence you know so yeah it's exciting i suppose also going back to our, our original idea about evidence is is kind of interweaving um, one's own experience one you know and and over time you know with different possibilities right so having a conclusion yeah. in one's mind you know often stops you actually assessing your experience most intelligently right because you kind of everything kind of just it just feeds into this particular slant yeah. that you've got rather than saying, yeah you know, confirmation bias isn't it yeah just, yeah right you know and then you miss all, the, all the, this whole world of of different possibilities actually doesn't agree with so, yeah it does agree yeah. with your thesis yeah yeah and i can back up a minute on terms of the fascia because remember in the, in the workshop which which you did with keenan yoga i don't know whether we've still got that um, available but it was a fantastic workshop and you mentioned stretching uh, and uh and I, I love your ideas about stretching and range of movement. And I think, as I remember correctly, I don't know whether this is it was always also in the book about not really being able to increase one's range of movement that much through stretching, which is, uh, you know, yeah, it's, uh, so, a revelation to, to most uh, yeah, people hearing I think that. that. Yeah, this should be in the book. So you can, so I'll, I'll clarify that. You, you can increase range of movement, but what you don't do is you don't change the length of your muscle. So right. what, what, what really the science is telling us is that muscle does not shorten or lengthen over time. Yeah. Okay. Now we can contract a muscle. Yeah. And in the moment it will shorten, we can stretch right. a muscle. And in that moment it will lengthen, but it doesn't right. get longer and longer or shorter and shorter right. over time. Lengthening There's so much muscles. talk yeah, about yeah, yeah. Yeah. prolonged Lengthy. sitting shortens yeah, your hip yeah. flexors. Yeah. And I always yeah, joke yeah. and say we'd be like a T-Rex. You know, if, yeah. if if we if we were saddled and everything shortened, we'd literally be like walking around like this yeah. all day. <laughs> and think of how much stretching of our hamstrings we do in yoga. If if they lengthened every time we stretched them, they'd be hanging off of us. You know, <laughs> but um, what the 
what the science world is telling us is that what the latest thoughts are is something Mm. that's called um, stretch tolerance. And basically, the nervous system governs how the muscle behaves. And depending on our approach, the nervous system might grant our muscle the ability to stretch a little further over time. Yeah, and it's basically the sensation that stops us because what 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 we'll, we'll all do is right. deep forward fold, and often right. it's the sensation that limits yeah. us. Now, not in all cases. Sometimes it can be um, compression on the other side that's stopping us, but often it's it's actually a sensation that stops us. And over time, that sensation comes a little later, so we're able to move further. Does that make sense? So th- this, yeah. these are the latest thoughts on this. So stretch tolerance is fascinating. So, I mean, to ask the most obvious question then, what what allows some people to stretch their muscles more than others uh, outside obvious skeletal differences? Yeah, How, so you know, you're just saying it's literally sen- sensation, just the, the feedback on on on, uh, on the um, central nervous yeah, system. Yeah, obviously, not, not obviously allowing those muscles because um, I mean, everyone has the same muscles. So why does yeah. some people? And you also you see them well, over years, right? Like someone will come to your class for a number of years and, and they won't necessarily develop that much in their range of motion, whereas another person will develop their range of motion exponentially. So yeah, you know. yeah, it's it's um it's, it's very complicated. You know, I'm I'm. I'm simplifying that kind of element of it. Yeah. And, and different people have different composition of muscle and all there's whole sort of things, but yeah. So, um, but ultimately it is the nervous system that is the limiting factor in most cases. And, you know, for example, you know, some, a lot of people believe, Oh, I have short hamstrings. <laughs> well, actually, if you were under general anesthetic, mm. the chances are that you'd be able to do a, someone would be able to put you in a deep forward fold. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So the muscle yeah. does have that ability in many cases, but it's just that there are other factors when we're awake that come into um, play, you know, to affect that. So it's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty interesting. What about um, hypermobility and all this um, talk then about um, overstretching? And, uh, you know, and then I also wonder... Yeah, like along with that, that kind of, I, I've, I've often heard that, in fact, from, from other medicals that you could do, I often say about Badakanasana, that under an anesthetic, you could do Badakanasana, for example. Um, and, um, but then I kind of wonder, is there a structural impediment that, you know, if someone yeah. was put well, in certain things that their muscles would then rip, you know, that they, uh, it's more than that. You know, maybe, maybe. And for me, for example, um, I, when I do Badakanasana, my knees have never reach the floor my because basically what i've and what i've discovered through a lot of personal exploration for want of a better word is that my my hip joints don't actually move and don't have a huge range of movement in that particular direction so i don't feel a tightness say in my inner thigh it's not me it's not it's not about me getting more stretch in the inner thigh but it's Mm. actually Mm. i get bone on bone when the when the hip moves in that direction but then i can change slightly and do a wide leg forward fold and you know when i've been practicing regularly i can almost get my chest to the floor so you know i've been able to get my leg behind my head and and yoga so it's but there's certain movements for example my fire log like if you saw me it would be an embarrassment i would the yoga police would come and kick me out but basically my fire log my legs are like right this kind of thing it's like you know i look like i've never practice yoga a day in my life basically but that's just the way my hips move or don't move yeah. you know <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and i'm still enlightened yeah. so it's fine yeah. <laughs> what about this idea of hypermobility then and then warning people off over stretching yeah hi- oh hypermobility it's a big big topic and i think um I think where some of the confusion lies is that it's hypermobility is a huge spectrum. You know, you can have um, someone on one end of that spectrum that just happens to be able to forward fold very deeply, or they have very bendy thumbs. Mm. <laughs> and mm. then you can have someone on the other end that ha- literally has a hypermobility syndrome where it affects all the tissues of the body, it affects mm. your digestion affects the way the way they experience pain and expects energy levels it's you know right. a huge thing so right. i think that, that i think we often use hypermobility as a umbrella term but it can mean exactly. so many different things yeah. to so many different people and often it's yoga teachers that are diagnosing people with hypermobility so if you're listening out there stop doing that i've had so many people 
you know, where they where they can easily hyperextend their elbow, say even on mm. all fours mm-hmm. or in plank. And they've been told by a yoga teacher, oh, you're hypermobile. And then that becomes part of their identity. And then they've told me they're hypermobile. And I go, just out of curiosity, is this something you've seen a medical fun? professional? But yeah, oh, yeah, no, yeah. my yoga teacher told me. Yeah, so I yeah. think it's, it's, a, it's such a broad um, term, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really answering your question, am I? But, well, can, but you're saying I mean, that I, I can, know, with hypermobility, can you... Can you like I think the question is, is, should we be worried about it? And, and seeing its endemic usage in the yoga world these days, almost like before it was like getting in trouble for not, you know, for not working hard enough. Now it's like, well, if you go too far in a stretch, it's like, well, no, yeah. out your hope, you're, you're going into hypermobility there. And, it, you know, is it a cause for general concern or is it yeah, something think, which has just now become a catch-all for, yeah. for you know, just a control of a classroom and then giving up, you know, a certain yeah. structure I, I think, to, to teaching? Yeah, I think becoming clear on what hypermobility actually means in terms of a particular student is the first step. Mm. Because if, if you have, say, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which, you know, which is, which is a uh, hypermobility syndrome. Um, yeah, like, you know, certain positions can have a big impact on you. You can end up feeling in pain for days after after overstretching, you know, for example, mm. whereas for other people, they're not going to be as in, impacted. Much. So really it depends on the person. And it's just yeah. getting, as I said, clarification on what in, in a certain circumstance, what does hypermobility actually mean for that person? So I think, yeah, I think it's definitely a conversation that needs to keep being had. It does. Yeah. It, it's very, very important. It has a huge implication for many people, but it's, it's become over kind of generalized. Yeah. And I think, and, you know, and, that's kind of the answer that no sorry i was just gonna say that's kind of the answer that i wanted from you really that you know that one has to become clear about you know exactly the usage of these things and you speak really well on um on the fear-based language that seems to be surrounding yoga these days and it's made me think a lot um yeah and and and, and how much that this can then lead to a kind of nocebo effect where as you say people come to you and they you know they've taken on this as part of their density or you know i've i'm someone that's hypermobile therefore you know like yoga is a problem for me or you know and i hear it all the time my um you know i've been told that i have uh, this 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 so therefore i can't do this um you know would you say that we're now you know kind of experiencing a tendency to to rather wrap ourselves up in cotton wool too much is that is yeah and in, in the in a broad sense yes you know right. there is that and there's a huge fear i you know I spend a lot of time with yoga teachers and, you know, mm. with, you know, training yoga teachers in anatomy and stuff. And there is just mm. a lot of fear, but the, the, when, anytime I ask, you know, why is it important to teach, to learn anatomy? One of the mm. top things that come up in any group is protect the students. It's about protect the students. And I'm like, well, okay. Um, you know, let's, let's talk about this. What are we protecting them from? Because even if you have a regular student, even if they come to you every day for an hour, what are they doing all the other hours? Like, are you following them around and like <laughs> telling them not to something. pick up oh, their shoes that. like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because, you know, because, you know, ultimately we're all robust human beings, mm, you know, mm. and yes, some of us are slightly less robust than others for various reasons, but, you know, yeah, I think, I think for a while things of the pendulum's gone too far in one way where there's this like, Oh my god! I need to protect everyone, and a lot of it's this anecdotal chat about oh, yoga causes injuries, and of mm, course, mm. of course, it can. Like I, ha- I have been injured in the past from practicing yoga, but I've also practiced thousands of hours of yoga and haven't injured myself, and all in, in you know, in mo- in ninety nine point nine percent of the time. So, yeah, I think I think to answer your question, I think in many cases we the pendulum has gone too far in one way. It's all about protection. Yeah. I mean, and- yeah. It swung the other. Well, I mean, as it came, as yoga developed, I think it was maybe a little bit, say, like um, gung ho, as as it were. Yeah. You know, just, just you know, like I mean, I started. It was just like, oh, do the full primary class. Everyone just learned a full primary series as a beginner, right? You know, so maybe that was a little bit over the top, you know. And now it seems like the fear based kind of language has kind of become ensconced to the degree that people can't move at all. You know, it's like, oh, don't yeah. do that. Yeah, and it just it's like micromanages people it makes people think that their body is fragile yes um, yes. it's um 
you know, particularly like there's so much and there's already so much language in our culture about our lower back, about our knees that already make people think that almost these are uh, are parts of our body that are somehow broken. And that's just mm. not the, the case mm. in most scenarios, you know. So I think um, that language, some sometimes it might feel like, oh, so what if I if I say, you know, keep your knee above your ankle to protect your knee. But it's just it, it's constantly adding to this dialogue that we already often have that, you know, that our bodies are fragile. They're not. They're anti-fragile. You know, our body yeah. needs stress. Our body responds positively to physical stress, um, you know, right. when we experience that appropriately. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, language is a huge thing. Yeah, I mean, we define ourselves topic. in language and then we embody yeah. ourselves in language. Yeah. So, I mean, how to you and, and, you know, if you, I don't know what, what you've got up on in terms of what you're doing online or in person, but I mean, Andrew is really, really thoughtful and, uh, and great about explaining um, in terms of cueing and and good use of a language, which he, which he's um, thought a lot on, and I've I've learned a lot from Andrew. So please look, oh, look at that stuff. Um, yeah, I have. Um, what about lower back pain? Um, you know, uh, feeding onto that, like uh, yoga is good for your lower back pain, or yoga is bad. And what's the evidence on that? Yeah. And uh, yeah. you know, people come to you, they come to me and say, well, I can't do yoga because my doctor says it's bad for my lower back. Yeah, I think ultimately movement's medicine, you know, so basically as humans, we have evolved to move and we need to move our bodies more Mm. than most of us already do, you know, Mm. so, um, you know, if I, I know, and I'm human, I experience lower back pain occasionally, I feel pretty good in my body most of the time, thankfully, but you know, Mm. but for me, it's like, oh, I need to move my, I need to move my spine more. You know, so I think in that sense, yoga is wonderful practice for getting her, getting ourselves into her body, um, mm. you know, learning to move her spine in lots of different ways. So yeah, ultimately, yeah, yeah. movement is the thing that's going to really help. It's a general you know, panacea. Yeah. What about, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, people say, well, I can't, um, I've got this, this problem with my lower back, so I can't forward fold or I've heard yeah, that conversely they could, yeah, yeah. Uh, or conversely i can't um i can't backbend you know backbend yeah i've got a low back you know what, what do you any ideas yeah. about well I, I had this i had this um person come to class um say oh i can't forward fold so i'm thinking mm. well you physically can't or you've been told you can't or i was like mm. you know, i was like oh this is this whole big like you know complicated dialogue has been created so mm. we're, we're starting the class we're on all fours and then we're doing some cat cows they're happily moving you know and cat cow flexion extension and i'm thinking okay well you obviously can <laughs> forward fold your spine um then at the end of the class i just happened to mirror that back and just say you know you told me that you can't flex but did you know that this is also mm. flexing your spine right. and they were just like mind blown they were like oh you know they were just like oh my god i can flex my spine right like, yeah you can <laughs> so i think it's um mm. it's a it's a it's a complicated one, isn't it? But yeah, but um, th- again, there's no, there's like, there's no, there's no good or bad. It's just like, let's just move. And on, honestly, what's, what's way worse than over flexing or overextending is not moving. Like right. not moving is way worse than moving too much. So I would just say, keep moving. And there's, is, um, it's really interesting. You know, there's, I've been doing quite a bit of research lately on osteoporosis and that, you know, it's an yeah. important thing to know about. And, you know, it's decreased bone mineral density. So it comes with a higher risk of fracture and the British, the British, um, osteoporosis society basically just say like, we need to encourage people to move because not moving is way worse than moving too much, you know? So the risks of not that come along with right. not moving are yeah. worse than the yeah. risks yeah. of overextending or overexerting yourself. So it's just like, we need to be more active. So, I mean, yeah. along those lines, I mean, you, you do mention osteoporosis in the book and, and other um, kind of um, evidence-based trials on whether actually yoga helps for osteoporosis. Uh, does yoga help for depression, for example? And is there, you know, like, um, are there any conclusive studies that yoga is actually good for any particular condition or bad for any particular condition? No, um, you know, it's, um, there's definitely, there, there aren't, there aren't many where I would say, oh, it's bad for it. Um, right. You know, I can't, I can't really, nothing really comes to mind, but yeah, there, you know, it is, yeah, there's some great research on yoga for depression it can help a lot of people. Um, it doesn't mean it's, um, it's, it doesn't mean that it, it, that you can only do yoga 
you know, in isolation and not have any other sort of treatment plan, you know, but yeah. it, it can be, yeah. it can be a big part of a, um, mm. Mm. of a, of a plan to move forward with mm. that. It can be mm. great for anxiety. Um, there are so many things. Stress is honestly one of the things because, because also stress, um, has such a ripple effect. You know, when we're stressed, it affects every system of the body. And mm. um, yoga can have a really wonderful impact on creating a little bit more balance where it comes to stress. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Like, I, honestly, I my mind was blown at how much research there has been done about yoga. When you when you flick through all the references in the right. book, there's a lot of references. You know, there's a lot yeah, of studies yeah. been done. Have, a, are they all studies? Yeah. yeah. Are they all amazing quality? No. But right. they're but uh, but they're a start, and and hopefully there's going to be more and more stuff. So yeah, there's loads of stuff. You know, um, I'm I'm just writing my newsletter. I'm adapting a bit of the book, and there's a lot of really um, positive information about how yoga can affect um, pregnancy, about pregnancy symptoms, um, about birth outcomes, about labor outcomes, delivering a child. You know, there's a lot of a lot of positive things that can be taken um, from mm. a yoga practice, and things that you know. Yoga can help many people manage um, pain during their periods, cramps like this. And, yeah, mm. and again, there's research done about it. So it's pretty remarkable. Right. Since I've got you here, just a, a couple of questions then on um, what about yoga for pregnancy? And people often say, especially with Ashtanga, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do any jumping. You shouldn't practice for the first three months as the, uh, you know, the baby attaches to the, to the yeah. uterus. Um, or um, the same with the my recently contentious stuff on menstruation that you know you shouldn't practice over your menstrual cycle yeah. um and that you yeah. shouldn't um women shouldn't do inversions we were talking off camera before we started about um this this idea that during uh menstruation women shouldn't uh, do inversions it really it, it reverses the flow of blood so yeah. you know a couple of little uh couple yeah. of little topics well there um, what do you think? yeah for pregnancy there's some great research that tells us that being active during pregnancy is totally safe you know right. it's actually a really important way of um navigating that chapter mm. you know in, in a woman's life so yeah so um being active is really important um yoga through the research has been shown to be a safe practice um you know obviously obviously um the term oh the term oh and practicing yoga can also mean many things so, so many things yeah you know yeah, so yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go and do rocket yoga as someone that's brand new to yoga you know there needs to be common sense here and i think it's and if um if someone is new to yoga i think a good place is to go to um prenatal yoga with you know with a teacher that is trained in that but for someone that has an established practice yes modifications will need to be taken into account but really you can kind of get on with your practice you know as long as you're feeling good with it so yeah Mm. so again Mm. like activity exercise yoga during pregnancy great thing um does not increase the risk of miscarriages or anything like that through the research which is really Mm -hmm. really great to hear Um, and then yeah so look there's a lot of talk about yoga and menstruation and it's very patriarchal um it's not it's it's not evidence-based you know the idea of not inverting during a period and i think what i have a particular problem with is is again the fear aspect it's like oh you know people have been told oh if you invert you're going to end up with endometriosis Mm, (laughs) you know and like there's just it's it just the body just doesn't work that way and what the research tells us about menstrual blood is it's the contraction of the uterus that um dictates the flow of blood and not how we're orientated in space you know so for example a female astronaut can still you know, menstruate right, normal. Right. Um, okay. Without so, what affects the contraction gravity. of the uterus then? Because I mean, people do. Um, you know, female students do complain um, after practicing Ashtanga during their period and over their periods that they do lose the lose the menstrual cycle. So, can you can you say why? Yeah. That um, yeah. So, well, the contraction of the uterus is managed by hormones. Um, right. But w- as to why people might not get their period. Mm-hmm. I don't have the answer to mm-hmm. that. It might just be that they're pushing their body physically too much. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, a little bit like a lot of young dancers, ballerinas don't have their period for years, but just because they're, they're pushing their body to its limits um, with the physicality of it. Um, so I think it's a complex 
topic i don't have the i don't have an easy mm. answer mm. for it mm. yeah. yeah yeah but 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 definitely in terms of inverting it's up to the individual practitioner is is do you want to invert today do you not and what are the other options if you don't want to yeah it just has but to be you know you, ha- you have to give people choice and and um understanding that the discourse is this kind of patriarchal patriarchally framed discourse of you know jurisdiction over a female body still um yeah. you know and the, and the same with the idea of um miscarriages so i was like well you know miscarriages in the first three months are a, a, you know a hugely common you know unfortunately you know? so to that end it's like well you know like people do miscarriage many of them miscarriage over the first three months but is it to do with yoga they, ha- they happen to also be practicing yoga so you know right like so no not necessarily at all so i mean you know like the, the the evidence and the and the critical thinking around things is you know is constantly needs to be assessed you know yeah. more more and more thoughtfully i suppose what i'm trying to yeah. say because um, ultimately you know. that could that could mean that someone stops practicing for months mm. if they're yeah. pregnant and I, I can't, yeah and it might actually really affect their well-being yeah, 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 in, yeah in, in many ways so men, i just mental, think that emotional yeah mm-hmm. And also just puts a lot of shame in people who are menstruating in a class. Oh, I'm I have to be different to everyone else. Like I I'm not allowed to do that. Like, no, of course you are. <laughs> but do you get to choose? Does this feel good for you today or not? You know. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, imagine yeah. the shame if someone's been practicing and then they 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 miscarriage and then the doctor says, you know, well, were you practicing yoga or something? I mean, it's possible, isn't it? That, you know. Yeah. That this this feeling that like oh it was my fault, you know, because the yoga yeah. did to me, you know. It's like, it's, yeah, you know, it's, and and I think it's nice. You know, Andrew does quite often. It's just just open up the subject so it's not clo- so closed and, and you know conclusive. And you know, say, well, you know, and fear based as well. I think what you've shown me is that things, you know, that the body is anti fragile rather than fragile, which is kind of unusual to hear from a medical professional because we're so used to having the opposite almost. You know, whether it's on purpose or not, uh, our, you know, that framed our bodies framed in the opposite manner to us. You know, by the yeah. medical establishment. The body is dangerous. Yeah, and but things are moving forward, and even all the latest research about osteoarthritis, which was very much you know this like wear and tear model, and yeah, Mm -hmm. running's bad for your knees and all stuff. It's really changing, and we're realizing that actually, is you know we're reframing the way we look at that, and actually running is not bad for your knees. Running is actually good for your knees in many cases. Yeah, and again, it's just all about movement, and many people who were um, who in the past would have been pushed on the route of having a total knee replacement are now going to have physiotherapy instead and they'll get similar outcomes, you know, so it's really, really fascinating. Um, we're, you know, over the years, the whole way we look at arthritis is going to mm, change right. dr- drastically. Yeah, so I suppose to realize also that all this stuff is it's always an evolution, right? You know, yeah, if we, cl- you know, and if we cling on to it too rigidly, it's imagine clinging on to evidence 100 years ago and, and you know and how much of how much of that would have been now overruled by by new studies you know um, yeah yeah and we just do the best that we can yeah. at the yeah. time don't yeah. we based yeah. on what we have at hand yeah. and then we also, just then yeah. have to and i think in the, in the tone of the conversation as well bringing in one's own you know some degree one's own you know confidence to assess carefully opinions of the ex- experts against one's own experience and intuition you know and, uh, and and get different differing opinions. So, so along those lines, since I've got you here, Andrew, what about knees and um, and uh, people? You know, the endemic. I tore my meniscus, and um, can I or can't I rehab it? And uh, will will uh, an arthroscopy, a knee operation? You know, basically where they shave the meniscus down, will that help or or be uh, be detrimental to my practice? Do you have anything to say about knees and yoga practice in any Ooh, form or yeah. fashion? Um... Yeah, you know, again, again, our information is evolving. So, for example, the anterior cruciate ligament, which is Mm. a ligament we hear a lot about in sport and things like that, particularly in football. And, you know, not uh, not uncommon to hear mention of it. Yeah, you hear it sometimes in yoga. Um, For many years, we believed that this ligament was just not able to Mm. repair on its own. Mm. You Mm. know, that you had to have surgical treatment for that to happen. And we're actually... We're, we're moving away from that idea with the latest science. Right. We're realizing that actually there are ways to um, help the ligament to repair and it can be a long process, but without surgical intervention. Mm. So again, it's just super fascinating. I'm, I'm going to be really honest with you. I don't know loads about the latest thoughts on the knee menisci and where that is 
go away. Um, but you know, for for the listeners at home, um, if you do want to do your own research on a topic, um, Google can be intimidating, and it can be you can go down yeah. many a rabbit hole. There is um, a search engine within Google called Google Scholar. And it is basically filled with all of the available research papers on particular topics. So you can, so in Google, you can type in Google Scholar. You'll come into another search engine. You okay. Can, you can write yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Um, right, fantastic. You know, whatever yeah, yeah. particular topic you want to look up. Yeah. For example, yoga and knee menisci. Yes. Yeah. And healing, healing menisci. Yeah. Yeah, and you'll be you'll be amazed yeah. at how many papers come up. And again, I would look for systematic reviews and you might be surprised there might be one there there might be like a review of that topic done by people yeah um yeah but it's good let's thank you for the question i'm i'm going to add it to my ongoing list of things that i list. just need to yeah. update myself on you know because it's a well it's such a, a common job. thing isn't it you know i mean with the yoga and the, the lotus posture and you know it's like well i think every every second or third person has 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 had or suffered does suffer with knee trouble and i had you know i've been I've been perfectly open about having both knees operated on yeah. about 20 years ago. I had, after a couple of years of yoga, I had both both knees uh, done, yeah. arthroscopies on, on both menisci, which is successful then, but I have to say on, on camera, on record, I wouldn't do them now. I think, um, you know, as a 43-year-old yeah. man, I, I feel that there's general wear and tear there and the, the prognosis wouldn't be the same. People often ask me, you know, I mean, I'm stepping in toes here. <laughs> I'm not a doctor, but just in my opinion is that, you know, I think it worked out then. And I'm not sure, you know, that, that, that a yeah. general wall could be made, you know, if I give my yeah. um Yeah. I'll be interested to see if there is any research yeah. that's been done looking even at the yeah. the prevalence of menisci injuries in yoga. Like there may, may have been some studies looking at that. There may not be. I'm sure there are, you know, I mean, yeah. so, it's been so, um, so endemic um, in, in the yoga world, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, well, moving on rapidly, I know that uh, and you've got so much time with you. So what about the parasympathetic nervous system? And you often hear this claim, um, yoga, yoga soothes, it regulates. Yoga regulates the parasympathetic nervous system against our fight or yeah. flight uh, impulses. Or, what do you think yeah. that's a superficial paradigm or do you think it's actually true? No, I think it's, um, you know, you, there, there's definitely a reasonable amount of information out there that tells us that, that um, yoga can stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system which is a good thing i think um what i find is many people think of the sympathetic nervous system as something that's bad yeah and the parasympathetic yeah, yeah. Is something that's good it's good yeah, it's a yeah, dance yeah. we actually need we need them to be able to dance with each other so that right. we're constantly coming into some sort of balance or moving through a state of balance um so really um a healthy nervous system is a nervous system that i can that can adapt quickly to what's going on around you um because honestly you can be in too much parasympathetic you know right. you can go you can just go too, too far the other direction and then you yeah. just don't you're not reacting to things you know right. and you yeah. can also be too stressed so actually it's really about finding um some sort of middle ground there but yeah but there's there's um you know a lot of great things so basically that um you know just going to go into the science of it a little bit um yes yeah, so i was going to ask how know, one, how does that happen yeah. Yeah. So one way, one way that we can access the parasympathetic nervous system is through yeah. our breath, and basically, when we exhale, our heart rate slows, and when we inhale, our heart rate speeds up, and it's just a natural phenomenon. So in yoga, yeah. what we often do is we often focus on lengthening the exhale, and therefore we we will be creating like a parasympathetic nervous system stimulation by that yeah. act you know very very simple but also the 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 vagus nerve which is one of the largest yeah, components of the parasympathetic yeah, nervous system yeah. it travels um through the through the face it uh, tra- um, innervates part of the mouth part of the inner ear travels down the throat and then travels through most of the um most of the thorax mm-hmm. and um uh, UJ breath is believed to the resonance of it is believed to stimulate the vagus nerve. Chanting is oh. believed to, right? Um, you know, yeah. There's a there's a lot of great things that we can do in yoga that that are going to help with that. Help us to find mm. a little bit of um, balance there. So yeah, it's good. There's not the... as much information as you might think there is, but there is right. some information out yeah. there. And um. Yeah, I suppose I should mention I've done this uh, quite a good interview with Stephen Porges as well, on, yeah. um, who is the uh, 
I think he was the founder, wasn't he? Or at least he was a popularizer of this theory and of the uh, importance of pointing out the importance of the polybagel theory. That was his theory, um, indeed. So, uh, yeah, that's a good podcast. Um, Diaphragm. um, How does that relate to breathing and oxygen? Anything, any ideas about the, the muscle or the membrane of the diaphragm? Is it a muscle? Is it a membrane? And what Ooh, does it do in yoga? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's it's the muscle of inspiration. So it's basically how we breathe. Um, do, you want, like, do you want me to go into the the mechanics of it or what do you think? Or what? Yeah, yeah, sure. Maybe shortly in the mechanics and its relevance to yoga and the, and the breathing. And, yeah, and you know, it well, kind of comes in the middle of the body, right? So it seems like it has an importance. I, oh, it's you know, hugely I important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it basically, it separates the chest from the abdomen. It's a dome. And basically, when we inhale, the diaphragm subtly flattens. And mm. actually, the, the lungs themselves are elastic tissue, but they don't have any muscle. But they're forced through a vacuum to follow the movements of the chest. So as the as the diaphragm lowers and the ribs expand, mm. air is drawn into the lungs doesn't have any choice, moves from high pressure to low pressure. And then as we exhale, the diaphragm domes back into position and air is um, exhaled. Um, but yeah, so um, we we can't survive without our diaphragm. Um, does yoga make the diaphragm work any better? May, maybe, but there's only so far it can go. Um, you know, a yeah. lot of people say things like, oh, Kapalabhati is going to like strengthen the diaphragm. Well, it, right. it might to a certain degree, but then it's not going to keep strengthening it, you know, because strength has to be then progressive. You have to keep adding load to become stronger, like like working out at the gym. So, yeah, yeah. yeah what, you know, yoga is going to strengthen if, like if you if you've never practiced yoga before and then you practice yoga for a month your diaphragm is going to become stronger but it doesn't right. necessarily mean that it keeps getting stronger yeah yeah with yeah. each month of yoga does mm. that make sense like it's going to plateau yeah 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 i suppose on along those lines i'm a segue towards the fact that yoga seems to be overly skewed towards flexibility and uh, you know of of joints and, and joint complexes as opposed to strength have you got any ideas yeah. about how to insert a, a strength-based aspect into yoga as opposed to, yeah, just stretching into yeah, what can I think, be, you know, can be a, a, yeah, destabilizing the joints? Yeah, I mean, you know, stretching has its place and there are mm-hmm. benefits to be had from stretching. I think strength work is important and it's more important as we age. Like strength work, resistant work and load-bearing becomes even more and more important as we age because our muscles naturally atrophy as we age. Mm. So, mm. Um, you know, it's it's gone to the days where, uh, you know, maybe with older generations, you would have had much more of a sedentary lifestyle as you age. I think now people are encouraged to be more and more active. So strength work is really important. I think also what's fascinating is that a lot of people think that strengthening your body is going to decrease your range of movement. In a lot of cases, that's not the case. Often yeah. it will increase yeah. your range of movement yeah. because yeah. often tightness is there because of weakness. So for example, yeah. if you if you have really, really tight hamstrings and you have been stretching them for years, well, you know, one of the definitions of madness is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different yeah. results. Yeah. Spend a little bit less time stretching them, spend some time strengthening them, and you might notice that your range of movement increases. So strength work is yeah. really important. And I think people are more open to that now in yoga. Now, when I practiced Ashtanga back in the, in the day, yeah. Don't you, were, do anything you weren't else. allowed to yeah. go to the yeah. gym. Yeah. You weren't allowed to go no, to the gym. No, no, definitely like, oh. not. No, no, that'll, that'll, yeah, that'll tighten the body. Anything. And it's like even I heard in mice or even, you know, even getting on a bicycle would be bad. For, oh, no, no. You know, bad for yoga right? so leather yeah, um, going but, to the gym would be you know just a, a reason to be struck off uh with the extra tango yeah you know. yeah no for yeah. sure but strengthening um, work is, is yeah so that's, is a, really that's a good point to, to put in that yeah actually because yeah. i think it comes from a weakness not a not a, yeah. a lack of a lack because i think in the or, yeah sorry 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 to interrupt you i think in the past um we were encouraged to believe that yoga was all encompassing and like you know, yoga was going to tick mm. all the boxes and it's all you needed. Mm. And I think we're mm. just hopefully more of us are being more open to the fact that no, like yoga is wonderful. It, it helps so many of us on, in so many ways, but often we also need other things and that's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. it doesn't, doesn't take away from yeah. what the yeah. practice yeah. has to offer, but yeah. it's just, you know, yeah. Yeah. having a, a more well-rounded form of physical activity in your week. Yeah. 
um, yeah. is probably going to make you feel even better and even stronger and healthier. So yeah, it's just being open to that as well. Similarly, on, on, along those lines, the kind of magic spell or panacea of the bandas, the bandas or the bandas, um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the general answer to, uh, to everything, really, from, 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 many, from many yoga teachers that, you know, not enough bandha or, or even too much bandha. Um, what, what is your understanding of, of, of bandha? What does it mean to you? Yeah, I've always seen it as, you know, an energetic thing. It's an energetic right. sealer lock. And c- can we translate that onto a part of the body and say, oh, this is the physical like uh, equivalent you know what I mean mm, I don't, maybe mm. I'm not finding the words but you know so I, I've always yeah. I've always yeah representation I've always mm, seen mm. it more as like a energetic thing that can help many people I think sometimes there can be such a strong focus on it that it does very much become physical and you have say people gripping a pelvic floor mm. for an hour which is not going to mm. really help anyone particularly if right. you've got pre-existing pelvic floor issues if you if you're pelvic floor is already hypertonic and mm. you're gripping it for an hour in Ashtanga, mm. it's not going to, it's going to uh, exacerbate any symptoms that you're having, you know? So I think um, sometimes they can, in my perspective, there can just be a little bit too much focus on right. these things. Um, again, it's just trying to find a sweet spot. I think it can be really special to draw people's awareness to oh you know what is your pelvic floor doing in this position just part of general body awareness it's it's just as important to be aware of the pelvic floor as it is what your shoulders doing but um so i i would recommend people use it more as like an observational thing about gaining awareness rather than oh there is something you need to be doing in this moment with that part of the body you know right Mm-mm. I don't know yeah. what what are your thoughts on it, Adam. <laughs> throw it um, back to you. Yeah, no, no, that's great. Um, I tend to focus more on Udhyana Bandha, um, and we understand that it has a relationship to better accessing the breathing potentially. That it that you can you can better manipulate your your thoracic pressure. Uh, it has some engagement of. Because that area might may, may, may uh, draw. I don't know. I'm scared to talk to you because you're a no, no, no. Um, you're safe. The area, it's a safe space. Yes, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, the area would engage the breathing in such a manner that the the, the, the diaphragm would be mobilised more, and that will affect the, uh, the you know the body's ability on a number of levels, including your uh, with the diaphragm, the range of movement around your scapula, which I suggest is actually what what core core strength or core mobility means is your you know your ability to engage the the uh, all the muscles around your scapula more effectively yeah so your skeletal it's a cool, cool way of thinking about it yeah yeah so that's you know that's my understanding of it through my own experience and my own body but i'm you know i, I don't want to is that your expert know, opinion well <laughs> no no it's not my expert opinion I'm gonna, uh, as much as i do tend to hijack interviews I'm, I'm happy to remain in the sidelines with this one um what about the idea of um detoxification um yoga purifies or detoxifies the body yeah and also uh, you know since i realized we're running out of time i might just also segue that into diet you know so detoxification yoga and and, and anything about diet you could suggest diet and digestion yeah if if i had been given you know a pound for every time i've heard you know yoga detoxifies the body yeah it's it's definitely like a big like snake oil kind of thing you know in, in most cases, our body is already so good at eliminating waste from the body. If we had to rely on twisting to do that, like we'd be in trouble, you know. So um, if your body isn't already detoxifying optimally, you're going to be critically ill. And just the idea that we can, you know, make a certain movement and all of a sudden it's going to like help with that it's it's, it's a yeah, little bit yeah. silly really you know and also and also it could be harmful people might think well I'm, i twist twice a day so i can eat whatever the hell i want and i'm, yeah. I'm going to help yeah. the body yeah. eliminate it you yeah. Know yeah. I mean? yeah so yeah, yeah i think our, yeah. Yeah. our body's just scenario. so much yeah. more sophisticated than that mm-hmm. and, and most of the time our body is doing a perfect job without us having to intervene Right. You know, and it's a, it's mm-hmm. it's sim- it's it's very it's similar with um, you know the immune system and yoga can boost the immune system. Mm-hmm. It's just such a 
people throw that out and really don't take time. Or that's for anything really. This will put it, yeah, yeah. Anything will potentially uh, boost your immune system. And what I'll say is that, you know, yoga as part of a healthy lifestyle can help your detoxification system to work optimally, but it's not going to give you some superpower that takes you beyond that. You know, it's just, you know, yoga, breathing well, moving her body, it's it's just going to help her body do what it needs to to do. Um, and I would leave it there. I think it's it's dodgy territory to um, to talk about that. Yeah, um, so, you know, diet's a big one. Um, I think I think what yoga has helped me with diet is just to eat mindfully. It's helped me to be more mindful of the food that I'm choosing to eat and also how mm. I'm eating it. You know, mm. it's, it's allowed me to, like, stop and savor my food and... yeah. And also Just reflect make better choices on, on that make level. better choices, yeah. 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 And go, yeah. oh, yeah. last night I had a certain meal and today in my practice I feel it. a certain yeah. way. So yeah. Yeah. am I yeah. making so the right you, choices or yeah. not? Yeah, it also then, gives you some criterion for assessment on a very yeah. subjective and, and immediate level. Yeah, yeah because yeah. often I think we just eat and don't really think about it. Like, just yeah. like we well, do yeah, and you also wouldn't notice, right? You, you know, yeah. you weren't having a daily practice, for example, where you could ascertain the effects of your yeah. food. You wouldn't notice that that burger the night before maybe yeah. wasn't as good as blah, 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 you know, like exactly. for you, right? You know, so yeah. it does so give think, you a kind of standard to measure yourself against. Yeah, yeah, so I think that for me is the biggest um, mm, you know, mm. take home. It's just, I found that the yoga practice just changed the way I thought about food and, and the way also just, yeah, the mindfulness of it, is, which mm, was mm. really special, you know, and I'm grateful for that. It's not it's not an immediate connection that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, draw here, but I want to put it in anyway because I've had uh, many people say to me recently on the position of the uh, lotus we mentioned this oh, before yeah. we started so the position of the lotus and ashtanga and i always get this confused not that i don't know it but those are kind of like i have to kind of mentally do it in my body so it goes the right leg goes first in ashtanga mm-hmm. right and then you put the left leg in yeah now this is particular of ashtanga and very specific and very closely guarded that it has to be this way you know it always has to be right leg over for left and uh the the uh the wisdom seems to point to the fact that it's convention that the Brahmanical traditions favor strongly right over left, right, right hand, right handed practices as opposed to left handed tantric practices. Um, but many people will have, have adapted the, uh, I think what Patabi Joyce said, or maybe I don't know whether Krishnachara said this about the purification of the liver and the spleen with the heel positions. And it's just one example of a, of a yoga, how can we say, anecdotal yoga wisdom. Um, being um, being inserted and and so yeah. strongly guarded and believed in even to this day actually in the yoga tradition. Yeah. Do you have any and, any uh, thoughts about? Yeah, that? and you know now that we're talking about this, you know, I haven't I've never really looked into it. It might be something to do with pressure points on mm-hmm. the foot, and I you know and I enjoy reflexology. I've I've had treatments and things, and I've felt certain benefits from it. So you know, I'm very open to all this kind of stuff. But I just think that again, it can. My problem with it is it can end up it becomes so dogmatic and it's like there is a right way and everything else is wrong. And like, what's going to happen if we put the left foot in first, are we going to spontaneously combust or something? Do you know what I mean? But also, so it like, might be, I mean, if you're always doing one side first and it's creating yeah. potentially, it's creating a structural imbalance. I mean, yeah. I don't think that's going too far to say that if you're doing it continuously every day, day in, day yeah. out. Right? And you also need to have actually um, quite a lot, like say, for example, if you have, a left hip that is less mobile, mm. then that could stop you ever from doing Lotus. And that's okay. Like, you know, we don't have to practice Lotus, but like, you know, mm. it, it, it's just these rules, you know, I think, you know, tradition has its place. And I think as we were chatting, you know, before, mm. you know, before the recording, um, you know, it's nice to have some sort of framework or some sort of rule book, yeah. but also we mm-hmm. need to just know when it's okay to kind of step away from that and like play with other options, you know? So, yeah, but, yeah. but ultimately it's, it's like learning a language, isn't it? Like, you, you know, it's like, you know, a language, but in order to make it your own and to talk in, a, in your own voice, yeah. you also have to bend the rules of language, knowing the stylistic the, the stylistic uh, precedents, you know, involved in the framework. You also know when you can take something out and when you can't, right? When you can take a verb out or bend that verb, and when something, if you yeah. take out that beam, if you take out that kind of part of the structure, the whole thing crumbles, and you can't be understood at all, or, or what you're yeah. doing, you know, can't be understood. Yeah, 
yeah as you yeah yeah so you know yeah it's like yeah at a certain yeah and then and then ultimately you know you take you take so, so much stuff away and you're like well is this even yoga and that's a whole yes. conversation it's for yoga another anymore. time yeah but yeah. it's about trying yes, to find we, we a balance there that. yeah 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 for sure <laughs> i might not yeah, be the right be person another... for that but i, I want i'd rather oh, I listen to that than be involved yeah <laughs> oh, yeah yeah okay i'll do it i'll i'll, I'll... As long as you're not listening to my medical um, diagnosis. There's <laughs> <laughs> a first spotlight turned on me for a while. Eddie Stern did it a lot. But um, since, uh, oh, since sorry, Eddie, actually, that... I think you're the... No, no, it's wonderful. Um, I, I, love, I love a chat. Like you do, I think, you know, I think the tenure of this interview, you know, and our discussion, you know, and, and my work, and it sounds like your work, certainly from the book, is, is, is also just empowering someone to, to make their own inquiries, yeah. right? You know, to, to not to say, well... Andrew's the expert or Adam's the expert and yeah. here you go it's like well you've got your own intuitive framework going on as well there's a whole bunch of experience that you can bring to the table they're also if you're interested and open there's all these people that have differing um, yeah. opinions and, exactly. and conclusions that you can also bring in you know and you've got all these different tools to uh, to finally you know because the self-responsibility has to finally come down to to oneself and, and that's yeah. an important part of the yoga practice as well having the courage and the, and the self-confidence to come into your own experience of self yeah you know rather than someone else's you know and that but that you know to be to be skillful in that and to be intelligent in that and for that to go well i think it also is foolhardy to just think that you can just do that out of the ether you know it takes training and it takes you know you know it takes um you know recourse to to other so-called experts and ascertaining in fact learning in fact who is the expert you you know yeah and you know and also developing your your relationship with 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 your experts right that someone's expert advice works for a while and then that you know it gradually shifts into an evolution in your own thinking yeah and just taking everything with a little pinch of salt as well you know i don't know (laughs) <laughs> is that love, would that salt. be uh, if, I, if i'm gonna wrap up this interview now would that be would that be your parting words or would you have i should i should have written that on the book shouldn't i yeah, yeah. take the end as, uh, yeah as the epi- as the epilogue take all of this with a pinch of salt and carry on like a bit like the bhagavad gita really if you've heard all of this um just now do what you want you know exactly. <laughs> having heard all this <laughs> it's up to you now <laughs> um well i suppose um you know all that remains is to thank you for your time, Andrew. And um, if you want to find Andrew, I suppose um, your website is, is eponymously named andrewmcgonagall.com. You know, it's, so it's Dr. Dash Yogi, all Yogi, spelt sorry, out. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Yogi. And um, yeah, the book's available everywhere. That Everywhere that buy the sells book. books. Bloody, buy the book. Buy the book. And, and, and I, only get, I only get people on that I really uh, read the book and really enjoyed. So uh, oh, I do I really that. recommend it. Yeah, it's a great book. Please. Yeah. Please and we're it. running a book club, which is really fun. So we did one this year. We're doing one in January and February where Matt and I, who's my co-author, we basically guide everyone through a chapter each week live online. It's really oh, fun. Cool. And people have really, yeah, really enjoyed yeah. it. So, cause it's one thing buying the book and then you're like, Oh God, I now have to bloody read the thing. So, um, you know, it's it's been it's been a really fun experience. So I'm looking forward to doing the next book club in yeah, January. Yeah, no, so. that does sound that does sound really good. I may may have to join that. Um, wonderful. That's well, um, thank you, Andrew. It's been another great interview, and um, thank you, know, you for I look having forward me. to another another year. Hopefully, yes. we're still in good health and, and, and around in another year's time. Um, yeah. Thank you very much. You, all uh, all all links will be in the. Uh, in the uh, stuff below whenever you're listening to this on so you can catch Andrew and uh, again yeah look at his stuff read his books uh, look at his um, his wisdom if we can call that that uh, because I've benefited from it so I'm sure you will too thank you very much Andrew thank you Adam